0: What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast: Functional Movement Screening Strategies to Reduce Injury Risk. Uh, We're live at Memorial Hermann Sports Medicine Update with Dr. Lacey Harrison of University of Houston. I'm your host, Ray Olivo, and I have Sean Reddy joining with me in our conversation. You can follow us today on sportsmedicinebroadcast.com backslash reducing injury risk. So, Dr. Harrison, thank you for joining us uh, this was it afternoon now. Oh, thanks this for afternoon. having me. <laughs> um, so just to kind of touch base on uh, your slide presentation from earlier on, uh, we'll throw a couple questions your way. Um, so uh, with the current researchers out there, um, could you talk about just uh, injury reduction rates right now with folks that are using FMS uh, versus those who aren't potentially?
1: Sure. So the, the research is kind of all over the place because people are really looking for a cookie cutter approach to improve scores because most of us are athletic trainers and we don't have time to individually look at everyone. So the cookie cutter approach is not good. Um, it's really It's really difficult to take a whole football team and say, well, if everyone works on hamstring flexibility, we're going to improve FMS scores. Obviously, that's what we would like to do, but it's not working. So you should really look at people individually, which isn't always... Um, practical for us. The one study I always go back to that I think is interesting is older adults in FMS and Tai Chi, because Tai Chi is just interesting (laughs) in strength and balance, and that actually, as a group, they were able to improve their scores. A lot of the issues with the research is they don't follow on, and I've been getting this question, if we find a way to improve scores, do we know that that's reducing uh, injury rates? We don't don't know that. I mean, that would take a long-term study, so if anyone is wanting to do that, I think that would be great. but initially, we just need to be looking at each movement individually and then finding ways to improve that movement.
0: Right. Very good. So in, in terms of uh, re- return to return to play progressions, how do you incorporate FMS into that?
1: So two ways. You can do FMS on everyone pre-participation if you have the time to do that. It gets tricky with return to play because if they have any pain, you can't do the FMS. So, I mean, they would get a scored zero. So... You can either do uh, pre and post and look at it, and you can look to see if any of their movement patterns have changed, and you can try to correct, but then you need to be aware of, you know, don't fix something that, that wasn't broken. So right. you need to look at each individual movement and see if something has changed from the injury. But even if you don't do pre-participation, you can still do it after injury if they're not hurt at this point, if they don't have pain, because that's still gonna help you look at uh, qualities of the movement pattern, and that you may catch something, you may be able to avoid re-injury. Right.
0: Is there ever a time where you would disqualify an athlete from participation with a failed FMS test?
1: Um, I don't think so. I don't think the research really is, is proving that. I think that not only with the FMS score, but with some of the clearing tests, uh, for example, the shoulder clearing test, which is kind of like a Hawkins-Kennedy, if you can identify pain that way, I mean, that's huge. Not that you'd disqualify someone, but um, now you know that there's a shoulder impingement issue that may not have surfaced yet, and you can start trying to get to the – to the problem, I guess, the base of the problem then, um, but I don't think there's enough research to disqualify based on that.
0: Right, right. What about those uh, those student-athletes that may present with some kind of anical anatomical anomaly, so femoral, antiversion, retroversion, um, GERD, et cetera. Is there accommodations that you would potentially make with an FMS screen, or...? Um, you kind of just go with your normal progression as if they're a quote-unquote anatomically normal um, patient?
1: So that's a good question, and I really encourage everyone to make the FMS their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Gray Cook has done with the FMS is great, but he's going to be the first one to say we should never load someone with a problem. Hey, okay, so you want to try to correct the problem the best that you can, because they can't, uh, like I mentioned in my lecture, we can't let strength be more important than mobility. So... If someone's having an issue, we're not we're not looking for zebras. We're not looking for, like, a reason to disqualify them. But we should be aware of problems that may arise because of that, especially if you have the transition from maybe a high school where they're not getting the same amount of reps that they are in the college. Not that we should eliminate them. Not that we should try to correct anything, but maybe we should try to do some strengthening or some flexibility that can maybe alleviate a problem that may develop later.
2: Sure. Oh, so... Um I guess we were actually talking about this earlier. Yeah. <laughs> is is I'm the uh, I I I did FMS a long time ago, so it's been uh, ten years plus since uh, since I did some of that stuff, and how I've seen the growth of FMS of hey like you said everything's got to be a cookie cutter approach, and then it turned into like now we're in a point of I think people are starting to realize that hey we can't fix this and. or we can't fix this and then expect them to go out on the football field and perform because it's a different animal. Um, I can put somebody on the football field that failed their FMS that actually does very well on the football field. I can also put somebody in an FMS that, that did really well on the FMS that can go out on the football field and be awful or in the weight room, same thing. Mm -hmm. So as a practitioner, as an athletic trainer, as whatever, as a movement person, So for me, I look at movement in general rather than an overhead squat, just watching them squat, watching them move. How are there ways outside of, obviously FMS is the topic, but how are there ways that we can educate with utilizing FMS but also expanding ourselves as a practitioner learning movement?
1: I think it depends on well what sport you're working if you're an athletic trainer so as i mentioned i work primarily with wrestling so even outside of fms everything i was doing if i was just doing ankle rehab they could you know do everything super easy on the floor but they're on um, an uneven surface when they're wrestling they're on a mat so my ankle rehab turned into you know on a trampoline on a Disc, on this on something else and i'm throwing balls at them and they can catch the balls and everyone's like wow they're amazing Right, well, let's put them back on the mat. So I think you could probably do the same thing with FMS. Um, FMS in itself is, you know, standardized screening that we should stick with for a certain amount of time and and look at the score, and I'm not saying to change FMS, but if you notice an issue there, or if someone gets a perfect score, but maybe you think that they shouldn't or you think something else is wrong, you can adapt these movements to make them your own. I mean, take a movement out and do what you need to do. And I spoke with some others about... um, When I used this for my dissertation, I had a sample size, they were age 18 to 80, so that in itself presented some problems, so for example, um, with the rotary stability, I actually did it on a mat on the floor, so that kind of skews my results, because it's now an uneven surface, and the whole point is core stability, but that's fine, it's not, oh, I did it wrong, like, let's throw our hands up, it's, I was adapting to my population. So I think it's totally fine to do that and to just make it your own. You can't necessarily use the score overall as someone's at a higher risk or lower risk of injury. But if you're just using it for you and for your athlete or your patient, just make it relative to the environment. With shoes, without shoes. For me, it was not going to put someone in running shoes when they're a wrestler. We're going to do what they need to do um, in their wrestling shoes, which are different. Same thing with football. So look for those compensations within that environment, and then you can correct or adapt as you need to. Don't be afraid to stray.
0: What about um, your student athlete? Oh, so we just talked about um, you know, having, not having accessibility, so not having the manpower to be able to perform FMS baselines and then subsequent testing as well. Um, what about those student-athletes that require corrective exercise? but you as the single athletic trainer or one of two athletic trainers can't get to, say, 40-plus student-athletes right. who need that corrective exercises. Uh, and I know it's a big compliance issue. You, you can send, right. you can do an extra home exercise program and not, but right. what are your other recommendations?
1: I mean, you have to make sure that the athlete or whoever are doing this um, in the military as well, that they're accountable for themselves. So make a workout plan, which, again, is going to take a little extra time on your part and maybe – you know, let coach know like, Hey, so-and-so is supposed to be adding this extra 10 minutes of flexibility to his, uh, when he's in the weight room. I mean, it doesn't have to be outrageous, but obviously compliance is an issue, but there's other people to hold them accountable. So don't overbury yourself if you're making individualized plans. Um, The FMS website actually has a lot of different exercises, um, both strengthening, mostly flexibility based on each movement. So that's free to you. You can get on and use it. There's stuff that you can purchase like add-ons if you're interested that you could do that, but get on there and and look at the exercises and the progressions that they have and show your student athletes, show coach, show the strength conditioning coach, and maybe it's something that you could work in without as much effort on your part.
0: Uh, so I know you just mentioned the uh, use of FMS in the military. Um, Could you describe the, kind of the process with your research right now? Um, what's going on there?
1: Sure. So we're not actively doing research right now. We hope to be soon. Um, but we're basically just, we have our Air Force ROTC, and we're just kind of talking to them now. Um, I have worked a little bit with Army ROTC, where I was before, and this is a good example of what you guys r- were talking about. In the Army, we see a lot of lower body injuries, especially in females. We see a lot of hips. Well, in the Air Force, ROTC, which I wasn't aware of, we see a lot of shoulder injuries. I mean, these are a lot of people that are being put into pilot slots that they're trying to graduate onto that. So it is kind of a different situation that we have to focus on with them, Um, but we are hoping to do FMS with them. And it'd be kind of the same scenario we were talking about. If we see any issues, they do their PT Um, A lot of it they design, the cadets actually design on their own. So giving them suggestions of, hey, this is something that you should work in. And then it kind of goes back on them. I mean, these are college students that are being put in Air Force slots that are, you know, if they get hurt, then they're not being commissioned. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. huge. So they know that it's their responsibility. And it's some groups that, you know, we just have the background knowledge that they may not have. And I mean, people want that. So if you're just able to talk to them and share what you know. And that's just really what we're trying to do with that group.
0: Right. I, I actually, you just kind of mentioned something that I thought was very unique. It's, there's kind of like a, a incentive, essentially, For like sure. the commission. So mm-hmm. I know you know, a lot of our – I work at a high school, so a lot of our high school students, you know, if they give them a little bit of incentive, oh, well, coach might let me, I don't know, get X more reps or whatever, whatever you decide to make a, as yeah. an incentive, they'll be a little bit more compliant in, in getting some stuff done. Right.
1: And it's hard. You don't want to be like, hey, you're at a higher risk of injury you need yeah. to do this stuff or you're not going to get hurt. Right. But – I mean, it is important to be like, you think of it like a car, you can do what you're doing this way, but you could probably do it better th- another way. And that's kind of, should be incentive enough for most athletes. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. It's kind of one of those things for me. I think that like, we, like I said, and, and whatnot is if you're utilizing something, obviously this was at, at one time was a, a, a great, but like we said, it got taken a little too far. It's like that, that bell curve, you go start swinging one way, one way too far and start coming back. Um, but y- being able to utilize it being able to utilize the information that we've gotten from it in those different settings, but not only bringing in the strength and conditioning world, bringing in our, our, our position coaches, bringing in whatever our, our cadre, when we're talking about the the military setting so that we prevent stuff, but also don't, start throwing people into unnecessary groups that are right that is going to cause a problem and then is also going to say, oh, well, you're just trying to as the athletic trainer or as the PT or as whatever, trying to limit people, but also have a set standard of, hey, this is what this is what we want as a as a group. Yeah. Too. Right. So
1: patient centered care.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, with FMS um, tools that we have, is there any particular movement on the screening that Shows particular predisposition for any specific sport, like say, for instance, uh, is uh, I don't know rotary stability awful, if you, awful, awful. <laughs> awful. Well, uh, just no, yeah. <laughs> the only thing that is <laughs> <So> <laughs> hard. Yeah. But 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 say, hey, they, they, uh, an athlete comes to you. They have poor uh, rotary stability. Now he is a baseball player. Are there higher incident you know, again higher predispositions for injury with? Uh, failed rotary um, stability test for baseball players or for football players or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any research spe- research that is specific to that. but
1: Not that I'm aware of, but that's really interesting, and I feel like we should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, rotary stability specifically is known to be similar to kind of an explosive position, like from a line and exploding up um, with baseball would also be interesting. There are some studies out there that have looked at um, some different assessments, like the where you throw the medicine ball backwards, like some power assessments and strength assessments and trying to relate them to specific FMS movements, and the results are just kind of all over the place. So it just kind of depends on the person. I would think that the overhead squat is a pretty good one if you have any athletes that are in the weight room a lot. That's something that should be corrected first. But I'm not aware of anything that's sports specific. I just think it's a really great idea, so... Maybe we What's should wrong do it. with it, baby? Let's Maybe it. we should do it. Yeah, let's do it.
2: Are there any... I mean, going on that, you w- when you talk about stability, mobility, stability, whatever, you want the mobility prior to developing stability, but the same aspect goes into, well, if you have all the mobility and then you don't have any stability and you, you've got the, the, the yogi that comes in and can like touch their foot to their ear... And baseball pitchers. And- yeah, <laughs> but can't actually squat under any type of load whether that be a kettlebell front-loaded squat anything like that because they just lose all ability to function is there like you said one specific to a to a, a movement is it specific to any sports and is there any sports that you see more so I guess better results in the
1: FMS as well Well, I think it's interesting because in um, military research, actually hamstrings being overly flexible actually puts you at a higher risk of injury as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that you do have to be able to be stable enough to load. Um, Specific movements, though, outside of the... Uh, straight leg raise, I don't think there's a lot that's really scoring based on excessive flexibility. Most of the stuff is flexibility that the common person kind of struggles with because it requires a lot of thoracic extension or it requires your hip flexors to not be tight. And let's face it, everyone's are for the most part. So I think that FMS is okay in grading you for not excessive flexibility. Um, If that were an issue though, like with the hamstrings, then you, I mean try to strengthen in a proper position but i think that kind of gets outside of the fms that's something that we could probably
2: i question on that on the straight leg raise especially when you start to get into neural stretch instead mm-hmm. of actual muscular tenderness type mm-hmm. stuff so like that's one of the questions where i always have when it when you deal with especially in the position with getting um proper dorsiflexion, flexion foot up type position because i mean you are truly getting neural stretch and right. especially mm-hmm. because everybody wants to sit there and look at you and they pull their head up. So you're even getting worse neural stretch. Um, So I've always questioned that with when with regard to FMS.
1: I mean, that's a that's a good point. I mean, that's a neurological test that we do. Correct. So, I mean, I think it's important if there's any pain with any of these motions, it's a zero. Right. right? But (laughs) as clinicians, we should be asking, well, what kind of pain are you feeling? I mean, I think that's an important part of it, and that's why I, I like the FMS, I think it's great, I think it's quick, it gives us great information. I'm not FMS certified, because I felt like I didn't need to be at the time, um, but I think there's so much as athletic trainers or physical therapists that we can add to it. Pain quality being one of them. Like, why are you stopping this movement? Are you stopping because, you know, what's the end feel? So each of these movements we can pull out and we can add to. And we can put our own spin on it and do with it what we want to. If you're doing research on FMS, you should probably stick to FMS. But do your thing.
0: So, go
2: ahead. I was just gonna say I like how even Gray Cook will even say that in yes. into where uh, for it's sure. like yes. I'm honest. not. Mm-hmm. This is not the end all be all yes. of so that, and that's, that's the best the one, part of it absolutely that's the
1: best part of the whole thing and like you said people are just taking it too seriously and these scores are a cutoff and and they're not they're just a path for us to follow we should be able to identify this stuff without looking at the fms scoring sheet absolutely it just helps us it yeah. should just help our train of thought
2: my favorite thing is is when you start dealing, talking with some of your strength and conditioning coaches at least in the collegiate setting coming from a background in the collegiate setting was they would be like oh god no i'm not I'm not. I'm staying away from that for, yeah. with you because then you're going to come in and try to fix everything on me instead, or or on all of our athletes. And then instead of just generalizing it to what it is, it's it's a guide instead right. of a instead of a a, 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 a and all be all. Yes yes.
0: yes, yes, yeah. When I think that's where communication comes into play. It's just okay. Well, this is what we have with said athlete. Uh, here are the corrective exercises that we could be doing, whether it be in the athletic training room or it be in the, in the weight room and see where we can go from here.
1: Right. If As it's l- not broke, don't fix it. I don't think right. we should be eliminating people from sport. I think if we find an issue, maybe we should try to find a way to fix it. But then that comes back to our baseball players. Are we trying to change their range of motion for our right. pitchers? Like we, we don't really want to change that a lot. But so say we don't correct, and then an injury pops up, and we could say, you know, I bet it was caused by this, or I bet this can be a contributing factor. And then we can go back, and we have that information, and, and we can look at that.
0: Right. So say so you have a student-athlete X who has a baseline FMS with you. Um, you put him, he or she, through some corrective exercises. You do another test, and they score perfect, all threes. Um, is there a quote-unquote graduation uh, <laughs> <laughs> or are they to continue to perform again this is just your recommendation or are they continue to uh, perform these exercises just to stay on top of the things here
1: if this were my athlete I would have them continue the exercises because first you do the FMS and the athletes like how did I do But and mm-hmm. and it's really hard to be like I can't tell you how I was like you're going to tell them something like hey you lean forward a little bit so they're going to know the scoring system which as soon as they know some of it they're not naturally doing the movement anymore even if you don't tell them that, they're still doing it in a structured place, right? You're telling them where to hold the dowel. You're telling them to squat as low as they can. That doesn't mean that's how they're going to squat down and pick up a fumble, you know? So I think that that that's great. But the first time that you watched them do it was the first time you watched them naturally do the movement without knowing how they were being scored. So, I mean, I wouldn't suggest, like you guys were saying, let's come in the athletic training room and, you know, spend all this time and build this program. But they know what they need to be doing, And I would just encourage some type of program like that additional in the weight room on their own.
0: Anything else Sean?
2: um, on top of that, (laughs) (laughs) on top of that. So, um, the, the, I kind of lost my track of train. of thought what I was going to say there, um, when you do have patient X, um, and you try to let's, 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 You get obviously, like you said, you get a learning um, curve. You get the learning curve on what's going to happen. How do you advance that? And then I guess I know you're not talking about the FMS, but talk a little bit about the SFMA if you could. And with regard to it and AthleteX and especially like on an injury, can you kind of explain that for some people that might not even?
1: Yeah. So I don't know as much about the second Oh, I guess it's an assessment, not a screening. I yes. haven't done as much research on it. I know that some of the research isn't great, and Gray Cook says himself in the book that mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to work with. So I can't really speak much to that. What was the first part of the question? Um,
2: I guess more so on ter- in terms of how you would adapt um, for the athlete for after a learning um, so it, after they've learned kind of what, and, and now how are you going to make it a little harder? How would you right. potentially make it different? And, and then okay. obviously the SFMA as well, but that's, that can be a completely different.
1: Right. So it's kind of like a postural assessment. If someone knows you're watching their posture, it's going to be better. Um, and this is just a total, my suggestion. I don't know that this is out there anywhere, but, um, with my athletes, we would do FMS and if they're pretty good, or maybe we have been working on a few things, stop by the weight room. I mean watch them when they don't necessarily know that you're watching and that would be a way like hey I was watching you do a squat the other day and I noticed a few things we talked about in FMS that you're kind of falling back into those same patterns Um, take them out on the football field take them in basketball court have them do some drills and you can still look at those movement patterns and that's what's so great FMS is fantastic I guess I mean it's fine but um, as athletic trainers we're taught to look for those moving patterns. So just use it as a guide, make it sport-specific, and then they're gonna be like, oh, I didn't know you were watching me. Well, that's the whole point. You know, that's, so we need to get them put, get it in a real-life situation. These are basic movements by definition, basic movements that are building on more complex movements. So you can't exactly translate one of these basic movements to an on-the-court or on-the-field or on the, the map movement, <laughs> but that's, that's the whole point. We wanna see how they would naturally do it. So I would say you observing without them knowing in a sports setting and then maybe having a conversation with them and going back to any type of prehab or rehab exercises that you were doing with them.
0: Yeah. All right. Dr. Harrison, thank you so much for your Ah, time this afternoon. Uh, So quick call to action here or sponsored by hoist hydration. Uh, You can find them at smb.com backslash hoist use the code the SMB for discount. Once again, my name is Ray Olivo. We're with Dr. Harrison today of University of Houston, um, and I'm with Sean Sean Reddy here as well. Um, you can find our website at sportsmedicinebroadcast.com backslash reducing injury risk for Ray Olivo, Sean Reddy, Dr. Harrison. That's a wrap.